0: Welcome to podcast number 28. And so another busy week has flown by. Um, Saturday wasn't too bad, I must admit. I did a bit of paperwork in the morning and then afternoon was out in the garden. And then Sunday we headed over to Charleston. Um, Maben's team was playing in the County Cup and... It was a tough little game, really, uh, I must admit. But um, we ended up winning 5-1. But um, that score didn't reflect quite how tight the game was. It was a a good game. And then I had to do me 19-mile run. So on the way back, I said to Beth, drop me at Bobman Jail. And from there, I'll run down to the Borough Arms, up the Camel Trail to St Breward, and then back all the way to Wade Bridge. But more about that directly. I think that'll be my main topic today for the podcast. Um, My working week then, I did have the whole day in the office on Monday, catching up a bit on more paperwork. And then the rest of the week, various trips to Glimm Valley again, and also a few different churches, ranging from St. Petrocks Church in Bobman, which I think I might have said before is the largest parish church in Cornwall, and then St. Mabin Church, Curdinam, we was up there too, and if you're ever up that way, you want to have a look at the, they got two fantastic Celtic crosses up there. I remember years ago, when I was thinking about the design for our letterheads and everything, I was travelling all around North Cornwall, looking at all these crosses, I did quite a bit of research on that, and um, I drag all the family along behind, and um, I must admit, the the two up um, cardinum name name proper really they are and then also we went to one of the smallest churches that we go to which is St. Petroc Minor in Little Petherick. Now if you've never been into that church and you like your churches, I'd recommend you go in there. Tis handsome inside. Tis stunning some, and it's got lots of different things to look at and um beautiful little church. And when we come out of there, um, we then come down the path and turn left, and then we go to what I would consider as the artist graveyard that we actually go to to access. And tin for the faint-hearted, I tell you, um, you want to try going up there, really. It is up a steep hill, and then you get to steps, and you think, I'm almost there. Well, you went. You're about halfway there. You've got two lots of steps, and then you've got other tiers as well. But it is a beautiful Beautiful churchyard. It really is. And um, this time of the year, you might need your icon boots because it is quite slippery. But it is well worth the visit going up there. Little Petherick itself is a beautiful little village. Um, I think the only thing that really spoils it is that it is on the main road from Waybridge to Padstow. So you have got that constant traffic. But um, I can remember, I think it is one of the only... Sunday funerals I've done, I haven't done many Sunday funerals, I could most probably count them on one hand, but um, I can't remember the reason why, but a family was desperate to have this funeral on a Sunday, service in Little Petherick, and um, Julia Wilkinson, dear of her, she's sadly passed away a few years ago, she was the vicar at the time, and she said, yep, I can do it in the afternoon, and I always remember it was a beautiful sunny day, and... At that time, there was roadworks in Little Petherick, and it was actually completely shut to traffic. We could access it with ours, but um, it, apart from that, it was completely shut. Um, so all the traffic would have to go, say they wanted to go from Padstead Away Bridge, all the way out to Winard's Perch and back. And, God, um, cool, that afternoon was so peaceful. And it just took you back to what little Patrick must have been like 100 years ago, like before the the motor car sort of thing. Um, Beautiful. So that was pretty much my working week. I did aim this week to actually record this on Wednesday night um, because that was the rest day for me running. Um, Mondays I don't run. Tuesdays is eight mile. Nothing Wednesday. Thursday 8-mile, Friday 5-mile. But the last couple of weeks, I've been that busy that it's come to the Friday and I haven't done my podcast. And both Fridays, I ended up not doing my 5-mile run, which meant the next day I did a 3-mile run on the Saturdays just to get some miles in before my long run on the Sunday. So on Wednesday, I was late leaving work anyway, and I come home and I just sat down, just had my tea, And the phone went and sadly somebody had passed away and we had to to go out on a call. And I got back or must have been just gone nine o'clock. And um, I thought, well, it is too late to start now because it does take a while to record these podcasts, believe it or not. And I thought, well, if I get to bed late, I'm on call anyway. I could get called out in the middle of the night. So I ended up again recording it on the Friday. But um, I did make myself this time. When I come home from work, I went out to do me run before I had me tea and um, I'd managed to do it. I did struggle a bit. I did find it hard going, really. I, I don't know whether it's because I had the, the eight mile run the night before, whether I was doing it. I hadn't had much food at all today because um, we left the office for our first funeral this morning, 20 to nine. And then I didn't come back till four o'clock. I was just on funerals all day. So um, I, then again, also, I suppose I, I am 60 next year, so uh, I suppose I ain't doing too bad, really, but I, I did find it hard going today. But um, I've had me tea, so now I'm actually doing the recording. Anyway, back to me run on Sunday. So like I said, I started at Bobman Jail, and I don't know if you, you might not all know Bobman Jail, but it's quite a formidable sight, really, it was built in 1779, and it was closed in 1927. And um, it was built from local granite and stone. I think about 20,000 tonnes of granite from Delan Quarry up St. Breward, apparently. And I t- I'm telling you, there is a lot of granite up St. Breward. Um, I think it must be the one of the hardest churchyards where our gravediggers have to dig, because you've just got these massive granite boulders and I remember when I first started with father um, Roger Parr used to dig for us back then and twin Roger's main job it was a an extra job that he used to do so quite often he'd do it in the evenings and um, I can remember there was a part of the graveyard that was really quite close to the pub there at St Brewerd And what Roger used to do, he'd actually blow some of the um, boulders up with dynamite. And quite often you'd hear the tale that um, the regulars would be in the pub there leaning on the bar and then you'd hear this big boom and all the bottles and the glasses would shake on the shelves in the bar and they'd say, ah, Roger's out digging again then. And he would blow, um, blow these boulders up a bit to help dig in the grave. And... We was up St. Brewer, must have been a month or two ago now, we had a burial up there, and I was talking to one of the locals about it up there, and he did tell me a story that I never realised. He he reckoned that Roger used to keep his dynamite under his bed, so it was kept nice and dry. Well, um, I don't think I'd uh, have a good night's sleep uh, if I had dynamite under my bed, but um, I thought that was uh, quite a good story. Anyway, sorry, I've I've gone off track here a bit. So after the jail closed, a lot of the buildings, they they just went into ruins, really. Um, and then years later, it was turned into a bit of a tourist attraction. And then just last couple of years, two or three years, there's been millions spent on it. And now it is quite a, a nice looking hotel. Now you can actually stay there the night and it's, it's quite good what they've done, really. So... Um, when you're doing these long runs, um, you do a lot of thinking, really. You are working all the time. You try to break the run down a bit so that you end thinking, oh, crikey, I've still got 18 miles to go or something. I, I kind of break them down a bit, but you're also thinking, and all the time I'm thinking, well, what shall I do me podcast on? And um, when I started, I was thinking, oh, yeah, perhaps I'll do it on Bobman Jail. But when I actually finished me run, I actually finished it um, just the other side of Eglisell Church, right outside Court Place, was the exact nineteen miles when I finished. And for those of you that don't know, um, Court Place that was the home of Neville Norway, and he was murdered in eighteen forty on the way back from Bobman to Wadebridge, and. The media coverage at the time was quite extensive, really. And I remember father telling me tales that he'd heard about Neville, Norway. So I thought that seeing that it started, me run started at the jail and finished right outside his house, I thought that's what I'd perhaps talk about this week. So Neville was actually born, I think, at Court Place, which is just 100 yards up the road from where I live now. And um, I think he was very well-known and very popular... When he was living, I think he was a shipping merchant, and um, he lived there at Eglisale. Like I say, he was very well known. He used to travel to all the markets, buying and selling. And, um, uh, yeah, on April the 8th in 1840, Neville was at this market at Bobman, and he was actually spotted by the Lightfoot brothers, um, and that was William and James and they did notice that he did have quite a bit of money on him. And I don't think never went straight home, they reckon, but I think he stayed in Bobman till about 10 o'clock. And then on his way home, he was on horseback, which was, of course, the, the main mode of transport in they days. He had a grey horse he was riding at the time. And um, a little later that evening, there was two other chaps coming back from... Bobman to Wadebridge, and just along the road from where I live at Clapper, they spotted Neville's horse, which they I don't think they realised was his at the time. The horse run off, but then they saw a couple other men, and they said that they thought it did belong to Neville, Norway. So they went to court place, and there, sure enough, the horse was standing by the stable gate. So a group of men, they all got together, and they headed back towards Bobman because they did notice there were spots of blood on the saddle of the horse. And sure enough, just the other side of Sladesbridge, they found the body of Neville, Norway. A doctor was there amongst the group of men and he did an examination and um, there was lots of face and head injuries but um, Mr Norway's body had actually been dragged. They could see it been dragged, and they actually found him in the stream. And they found that there were footprints of two men, and they could see that um, there were footprints going up and down, where I think they must have been pacing up and down, waiting for him to arrive. And when they examined him, they found that his pockets were empty, and his purse and his keys and everything was missing. They also then did a bit more looking around and they found part of a pistol that had been recently broken off quite close to the body as well. So there was a reward for £100 for anyone that had any information, but nobody seemed to know anything. So then I think they actually brought a detective down from London and he was to look into the murder. And he found a a local shoemaker, a Mr. Harris, who said he had seen James and William Lightfoot loitering around near the area. So on the 14th of February, the police actually searched James Lightfoot's cottage and they did find a pistol with a little bit of it broken off and they reckoned that he was acting guilty, so he was arrested. And then three days later, his brother William was arrested because he told a Mr. Varco at the time that both of them were actually involved in the murder. So William then confessed and he told the police everything and that it was actually James that had really committed the murder. James was already in Bobman Jail and he had confessed and he had said that it was William. So they were both tried on the 30th of March in 1840 and they were both found guilty, and they were both sentenced to death by hanging. William was 36 years old, and James was 23. Up until this point, the brothers had been kept apart, but and their stories were quite different. But then um, you could see also that they were trying to save their own skin and frame the other one. But then once they were sentenced, they were put into the same cell, and they immediately started arguing and fighting, so they were separated again. But um, after sentencing, William admitted that his confession was a lie and that they'd both arranged to meet, but they were aiming to rob Reverend William Molesworth of St. Brioch. But then William had seen Neville's purse, which had a lot of gold and silver in it at the market, so they decided to rob him instead. And so on Monday the 13th of April, William and James were hanged in the front of Bobman Jail. And there were reports at the time that over 10,000 people had actually gone to watch the execution. And this was partly made possible because of the recent railway line to Bobman, but also they reckoned that the Bobman and Wadebridge Railway actually ran three special trains to Bobman, um, which actually carried one thousand one hundred passengers, going just to observe the hanging. Neville was buried at Eglisell Church, which is just a few yards away from his house, on the thirteenth of February. And after his death, his wife and their six children—I think they did struggle quite a bit financially so um, all the local people actually raised money for them, which back then was £3,500, which you can imagine was a a lot of money. A headstone was um, erected in memory of Neville on his grave, and that one can still be seen today. There is one final interesting twist to this story, and that concerns Neville's brother Edmund, who was away uh, at sea at the time and he was a bit of a psychic and they reckon that when the murder was taken place, I think it was, he had this dream and he woke in the morning and he wrote everything down in the ship's log as to his brother being attacked by two men, being dragged off the horse and everything and it was so much detail and I say he wrote it in the ship's log And he didn't find out till months later when he came back um, to this country that his brother had actually been killed. So quite a sad tale, really. But um, sorry about that if it was a bit depressing. But it is quite interesting, really, and just shows you what I'm thinking about when I'm plodding around the lanes of Cornwall. But um, before I go, I'd just like to thank you for... All the donations you've given us so far for sponsorship for the marathon, um I've been given quite a bit this week, which um I'll be uploading over the weekend. I haven't had a chance to yet, but um, if anybody else wants to sponsor us, let's say T for fleet for um all equipment for all the emergency services in Cornwall um just look on our Facebook page or just given page for David and James Bray, so I think that's about it. Thinking about me dialect for this week, um, obviously the pistol was um, mentioned in the murder of Neville, Norway, and that did remind me of a saying that Father used to say, um, which will be the one I'll use for this week, that if he was a bit clumsy, he'd say, you'm like a cow handling a musket. So that's what it is. You'm like a cow handling a musket. So I think that's about it for this week. Um, I wish you well, and I'll speak to you next week. Take care. Do